Morning, everyone. Really excited to announce that between now and the um, end of the 10th of December for Americans or the 11th of December if you're a New Zealander, we, in our final Origin Gate podcast, we're going to be doing a leverage trade for all of those people who have participated in teaching and instructing through the Wisdoms Echo podcast that have been on. I'd really love it if you folks would consider sowing into the lives of these people so that we can bless them over the Christmas period and um, give them a reward for their labor of love that has gone on over the last 12 months for you to provide for you the information that Yahweh has laid in their hearts to, to disseminate for you. So much of this is very, very exciting for us to look forward to for the next year, and we look forward to having you again with us over the next 12 months. Have a fantastic day. Shalom. Hey everyone, Mario Zelenas here. Welcome to Wisdom's Echo, Origin Gates daily podcast. Delighted to be bringing to you story time once again. And this story brings us back a few years to the early years of my development as a preacher and a communicator. And it's because of the subject of this particular story that I intentionally use the term communicator. Speaking in public has been the one area that perhaps I have devoted most of my personal development time into improving and honing uh, the skills required to do it well. I believe that when something is spoken with thoughtfulness and excellence and it's presented with creativity and especially in our particular realm of the kingdom with revelation and revelatory capacity it has the potential to inspire and even to transform lives and i've taken speaking in public very seriously when i realized that uh, just like you could pay for a 20 dollars steak or you can pay for a 200 dollars steak and there is a very noticeable difference between the way those meats are prepared and cooked and the way the environment in which you eat it plays a, a part as well you can have a very satisfying meal having a 20 dollars steak to fill your stomach and fulfill the need for food or you can have an experience that's unforgettable by having a much more expensive item of the same particular kind and when I gave uh, this, when I shared the story about my best meal ever, which I considered the Ashino sushi experience in Singapore as that, I talked about how 11 pieces of sushi were $300, but it was something I'll never forget. And each bite took me somewhere, uh, was an expression of something in my life that was, it was pulling on something that was there. And it's the same thing with so many other facets of life. If there is a difference between something that's cheap and something that's very expensive, something that's easily put together and something that's crafted with exceptional brilliance and extraordinary thoughtfulness and creativity, there's going to be a huge difference in how it's perceived and how it impacts those who look upon it or listen to it or in any way partake of it. And so, I've put a lot of time and a lot of resources into becoming a better communicator. And early on in the years uh, of preaching, because I, perhaps it's one of the stories I shared early on in Wisdom's Echo's journey, I did not intend to be a public speaker. I did not intend to have a platform. I never thought that I would be 
preaching, much less speaking publicly to a platform of this particular one now nearing 1 million people. And when I was asked many times, how do you know that you're called to do this? My answer was always because I didn't call myself. I didn't even know what this was, much less desire it. But I stepped into it and by gifting and talent and especially by calling and destiny, I knew that I was to become one who communicated. And if I'm going to communicate publicly, I'm also going to have to get better at it because there is a difference between just saying something and saying it in a way that really makes an impact. And that is what I'm always trying to get better at. So when I started on this journey with public speaking, I was actually asked to fill in for my pastor. I was a youth pastor at the time in a small local church and the senior pastor was going to be away for some time and he asked me if I would fill in on a, on a Wednesday night. And, and I'll never forget after speaking that Wednesday night how Danielle and I would, went back to the parsonage, which is the home that was attached to the property that the church was on and was what we were staying in or renting to stay in at the time. And how we both just leaned back on the couch in our living room and laughed la out loud saying, can you believe that after I got done, people said, that I'm going to be a preacher. I was saying that. And Danielle said, can you believe that people said to me, you married a preacher? It was so preposterous to us. It was so absurd. I was studying history to become a history professor. I was planning to, yes, have some kind of a public platform, but it would be students within a classroom in a very controlled environment where I have specific material to the particular era in history that they're studying. And it was never going to be what it ended up becoming. But after speaking that Wednesday night, there was something that I did or said or deposited or demonstrated that gave people, many people, the, the impression which or the sense, the discernment for many of them that I was gifted to be a preacher. And so they started to say those things and then one day my pastor asked me to speak on a Sunday morning which was the entire congregation and he was gone again and when he came back from his trip he listened to the tapes we had tapes back then and uh, I don't know if some of the listeners know what that is it's um, a tape just look it up on Google tapes uh, and uh, they uh, I remember the pastor and his wife coming back and listening to the tapes and he, came, he called me in his office and he said there's some things I need to tell you about your about your speaking and I kind of braced for the worst and um, and he said you have you have a gift you you are very talented you are you have a mastery of the scriptures in a way that enables you to tell the story as though you're living it just told me some very positive things and then told me some things I needed to work on and recommended as part of my training to learn how to be a better communicator if I would listen to other communicators to di who did this particular um, thing well. And so I found a preacher that inspired me that I thought was phenomenal in prose and in his ability to communicate in his written material and in his spoken material and was also really well known in our particular movement. And I called his church and talked to a secretary who handled the distribution of the Sunday and Wednesday messages 
to the broader public that was interested in them because many people did what I was doing, which was purchasing the tapes of this particular preacher. This was the mid to late 90s that we still had tapes and they were recording everything on tapes. So for $3 a tape, I was buying them and I was listening to him and I was and I was starting to do what I teach people now to do when they are interested in becoming a better communicator. What I started to do, and I recommend anyone listening to this right now on Wisdom's Echo, if you're interested in becoming a better communicator, you have to. It's rare that I'll say to someone, you have to. If you want to become a better communicator, you have to not only listen to what communicators are saying and learn from that, but you have to learn to pick up what they're doing with what they're saying and become better at doing that. In other words, when a good communicator is saying something, he or she is able to say something and do something at the same time. And by do something, I don't mean they're standing on one leg with a bunch of bottles on their head and they're balancing it. I'm not saying they're doing something acrobatic or something that you can watch, but with their language, they're taking you down a path. A good communicator is someone who can tell a story, for example, in a way that brings to life whatever it is they want to illustrate or whatever it is they want to express or share. And a good communicator is not only going to be saying something, but will be doing something to the audience, with the audience, while they're saying something. For example, a communicator um, such as a comedian, which is one of the groups of people I learned so much from. Comedians have a very difficult job because they don't have a cause like a preacher has. They don't have a book that everybody sort of believes in and follows like the Bible when a preacher preaches from the Bible. They don't have verses they can memorize. They have to tell stories that are generally detached to make people laugh. So I think they're exceptional communicators, especially the really good ones. And I've learned a lot by listening to them. And one of the things I learned when I see what a, com what a comedian says and does is when a comedian tells a story, they bring you into it, especially if they're making fun of a feature on their body or something about them. So a comedian who's obese will in a, in a way, make fun of their obesity in a way that takes the audience's eyes and mindset off of their obesity. And they're doing it so masterfully in that the very first thing you notice when a very obese comedian comes on the platform, you notice their obesity. And yet the way they talk about it and laugh about it takes away that factor from the air and it becomes something that everybody can live with during the time the comedian is speaking. And that is something the comedian is doing with what they're saying. They are actually taking you down the path they want you to go with them and thus taking your eyes and your thoughts off of the one thing that is so blatantly in front of you when they first come out on stage. And other things that I noticed with, with communicators that use a microphone, for example, instead of a headset where you can have a hands-free experience as a communicator, those who hold a mic actually use the mic, especially if it has a cord, as part of what they're doing. They will twirl the cord just so, they will move it just so, they will, they will kind of move the mic with them and then just kind of yank the cord in a sudden motion that, that determines something or illustrates something or a specific reaction to something they say 
to get you to think the way they're thinking. These are all things a communicator does instead of says. And so this particular speaker that I had started listening to this preacher was a master preacher. He was, he was absolutely phenomenal to this day. I don't know that I've listened to many whom I consider to be better communicators than this man. And I don't want to say the name because I, I, it, it's just one of those sensitive things. But, but this man would preach and I would listen so much to his tapes. I would listen to some of them over and over. And then I would take Danielle for a drive in our Oldsmobile 98. And I would say, Danielle, you got to listen to this. He says this so brilliantly. And Danielle knew what I was doing. She knew that I was learning, that I was developing my style. But the problem and really where I'm going with the story is that I started to develop a style that was very much like the style of the man I was listening to the most, the preacher that I was receiving from. Since then, of course, I've been listening to so many other types of communication and not just preaching, including TED Talks and comedians and, and, and announcers in sports. I watch how announcers will tell and call a game, for example, of American football or soccer football or or baseball, and I will learn the different nuances and the different ways by which they will lower their voice or increase the intensity of their voice or their tone. There's so many ways to say the same thing, but saying it just so will make a huge impact. Even the very thing I'm doing right now will have a greater impact if I say it a certain way than another. And of course, all of this has gone into consideration of this very talk that I'm doing right now about communication. And so in this particular case, the preacher had had really mastered this, this particular facet of church age and kingdom age um, response of the audience by a thing called the altar call, where the preacher would at the end of his message give an altar call, meaning that people would get up from their seats and move towards the front of the church, which is an area that is generally denoted as the altar. And the people would stand there or kneel there or pray there or in some way respond to the message that was released. And this particular preacher was the master at having altar calls. And so I remember this one specific time when he had an altar call at Easter Sunday. And he kept, he kept saying, and I could see it in my eyes because I knew the building. I, actually, I would actually drive out there sometimes late at night on a Sunday and end up coming home very late to listen to him speak and live and watch him and see his, his actions and his motions. And, and I knew the building, so he would say, I am now moving from my left to your right, and I'm looking for hands to be raised for those who want to give their hearts to Jesus right now. Let me see your hand. And hands would go up, and he would say, I acknowledge that hand. I acknowledge that hand. Bless you. Bless you. I see your hand. And he would have these responses to the hands going up, and he would move from from his left to his right. He would always say it right. He would say, I'm moving from my left to my left to your to my right and from your right to your left because the audience would be opposite of where he was and he would say these things and I started to pick up on it and then I started to practice it and in that particular church they also had a balcony and he would say now I've finished with the ground floor and I'm moving up to the balcony from your right to my left and he would do this whole thing with the left and right and and I remember memorizing it and trying it and then one day I decided I'm going to do this. And so in church, after a really powerful, what I thought was a powerful message and a, and a really good spirit in the, in the congregation, I decided I'm just going to go for it. So I started to do the altar call the way this man had been doing the altar calls and especially that particular Easter Sunday. And I said, I'm going to move from my left to my right, your right, my left. And I got it really good the first time around. 
And I said, I'm, I'm going to see some hands. And it wasn't as many hands as that man had and that preacher, but I had some hands. I had some hands. And then, and then I said, now I'm going to move up to the balcony. And the moment I said that, I realized that I had memorized it so well that I forgot we didn't have a balcony. And when you say I'm moving up to the balcony and you don't have a balcony, pretty much everyone knows it's not you. <laughs> and Danielle had been warning me. Danielle had been saying, Marius, you're, you're doing great. You're becoming better, but you actually have a little bit of his voice and a little bit of his tone and a little bit of his mannerisms. I've listened to the tapes with you because you've dragged me along with you in the car to listen to them. And it sounds more like him than you when you speak. And she kind of warned me about this, but I didn't heed that warning, did I? Because I did the altar call the way I did. And then I went up to the balcony and then it just was a mess. I was like the lefts and rights got all twisted and the balcony wasn't there. And there was just a sound man behind the sound booth. And he looked at me with a puzzled look and everybody's heads were bowed and eyes were supposed to be closed. But Danielle's head was up and her eyes were open and she had one eyebrow raised saying, I told you. And then I got caught, right? And, and the message is you have to be you. You have to develop whatever skill and ability you want to get better at by becoming better at being you, not by becoming someone else, even if someone else has input in how you are improving your skill and your ability. And that is one thing I learned the hard way that day. And since then, I've been trying to make sure that in order to become a voice, I have to make sure that I block out other voices after even having listened to them for a while, because you have to develop your own specific voice and your own particular style and your own uh, repertoire of things that define who you are and ex are expressed out of the identity that you have in Yahweh. I bless you today with this story. I hope you got a little bit of a laugh at my expense, but it was all calculated to be so <laughs> as part of me learning how to be a better communicator. I've shared some of my notes on this subject and in the future, I believe I'll be doing more with Wisdom's Echo and also Flight School in the area of teaching some of the things I've learned about public speaking and especially speaking uh, from the scriptures and how to bring things to life and so on. And so I bless you in the name of Yeshua until we speak again. Let's remain in his love. Shalom.